Hello um, and welcome everybody to the quest for fatherhood uh, where we go on a journey to better understand fatherhood um, and understand what it takes to be a present father in today's world of many demands. Um, my name is Mohammed Osman. I'm a father to three beautiful girls, uh, twins who will be six in January and a two-year-old. Um, each of them is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and they, they, they remind me <laughs> of who I am every day. On today's show, I'm joined by uh, Arafat. Um, do you want to introduce yourself, Arafat? Uh, hi, thank you very much for having me on this show with you. My name is Arafat and uh, I'm also a girl dad. But unlike you and your small army, I have one child. She will be too soon. Uh, and I 100% understand the sentiment of living with a force <laughs> to be reckoned with. Um, spirited. Spirited is the right word. You know, Let's go we, with used, yeah, we used strong-willed because uh, there, was yeah. a, there was a discussion that my wife and I had to, around the use of the word stubborn and what that meant um, and, you know, what it implied and things like that. Um, so, yeah, we use the word strong-willed um, and, yeah, each is more strong-willed than the other. Um I guess to start with, you, you are a father, uh, which you just said, to, to a beautiful girl. Um, what's your earliest memory of fatherhood? Um, so, I've got two memories that I'll tell you about. So the first, I was literally thinking about this earlier today. The first thing that you remember is the, the first cry. You know, when you're in the delivery suite and the first time she cried um, and just a massive feeling of relief. I remember even until that point, I still always had in my mind something can go wrong, something could go wrong. I didn't set up the crib um, when we, you know, bought it and all these sort of things or the pram. The, the day she was born, I came home from the hospital, I set up the crib and all of these things and then I went back to the hospital to collect her because I didn't want to come home into an empty crib, you know? And then have to disassemble it or whatever. So that first moment when I heard her cry, a massive feeling of relief. And then the moment where I knew I was a dad, because, you know, our daughter has been very, very easy to take care of. I know every child has its different challenges, but our daughter has been very, very chilled. She's very independent. She sort of takes care of herself. She's a happy kid. And the first time I was like, oh, I'm not your friend, I'm your dad, was when it came to brushing teeth. And I was like, we are brushing your teeth. I'm not here to just let you get away with whatever you want. This, I can't remember how old she was. She was over a year by this point, because this wouldn't have been before she was a year old. She's probably, I can't remember, just under a year and a half, something like that. And it was a switch between me and your friends that hang out all day to not I'm your dad and I have a job to do here. And it was just a simple thing like brushing her teeth, but it, it was a, it, it was a moment where you, I sort of realized the responsibility, if that makes sense. Mm, mm. You were worried about the milk teeth falling apart, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. natural. Um, yeah. But talking to that point, that shift in responsibility. So as fathers, it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's not a difficult journey, but it's a journey for us that 
starts when the baby is born. So it's it's funny you mentioned that it, that your earliest memory, of course, is when your daughter was born. Because it, it, sometimes, and I, you 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 can disagree with this or or agree with this. Whereas with a mother, the journey starts from when you know we know we're going to have a baby. You can yeah. feel it, and you know. Whereas a, a father, you'd really are there to support the mother, but you don't feel it or see it, as you said, until yeah. that your first memory. And this is the thing. So I, you know, we got a Doppler at home. I checked the heartbeat. I could put my hand on the belly. Can feel her moving. Could feel the kicks. And so it's not like. I was totally unaware. Like you, you feel all these things, and you know, right towards the end, you can see her moving from side to side. You, you can see it, but it wasn't until the first time I saw her in the delivery suite. It was like a light had suddenly switched on, and like you said, the feeling was different. Mm. And this idea of responsibility. So, did you feel that you you were there to be a friend up until something was asked of you? Like that demand was okay. You now need to brush your teeth, and the response was like. Maybe not. Or did you feel that level of responsibility as soon as, like, we're, we're talking about that responsibility? Yeah. How has that level of where did it start, and how has it progressed? Yeah. So I'm going to compare it to my job. Okay. So I work as a doctor, and my job is split into two parts. There's the respiratory part, which I enjoy doing, and then there's the general medicine part which is something I'm made to do, right? And no part is easier or harder than the other one, but there's the bit that's fun, even though it's work, and there's a bit that is definitely work. And, you know, we did all these different classes, sleep training, wake cycles, when to do feed it, all of this stuff. And it became very regimented. The whole day was structured. We had a clipboard, you know, from when she was born, and every day we would write E-A-S-Y, eat, activity, sleep, you time, eat. And we went through that cycle six times a day. And every nap was pre-planned. Every meal was pre-planned. There was a, a routine. Okay, we're going to do this. Then we wash these dishes. Then we do. And every day was so regimented and structured. And I remembered a guy years ago said to me, being a father is like being on call. And I got that because you know when you're on call? You just have to keep going. Okay, there's this next task, then the next task, then the next task. Then it's time to sleep, and then you wake up early, and then you're on call again. And you keep going, going, going until that weekend's. And finally, you get to the weekend, and you can sort of relax. And the difference was the weekend never comes because it's every day. So you learn to enjoy the weird structures and the routine. And you do have to give up certain things. You have to start going to bed early. You have to give up this hobby, that hobby, whatever. But it was like when I do respiratory, like I enjoy it. And then as she started becoming more and more independent mm. and being like, no, I'm not going to brush my teeth. Then there's the general medical side. So I, it, it wasn't that I, I saw myself just as her friend. I think we were conscious of... Okay, I think often... You know, people will say, this is a dad's job, this is a mum's job. Mm. And we were conscious of trying to share the load. And for her, as she grows up, to see that there are just tasks that need to be done in the house. You know, washing the dishes, laundry, whatever. And I didn't want her to see things as a girl job or a boy job. Like everything is everyone's responsibility. 
and so you try and do as much as you can it's tricky because like the way paternity leave is I go back to work earlier I've got my own calls by night shifts whatever so there would have been bits where I was absent but then I try to do all the bits I can do so I do her bath every day um, and you know things like that so I think I think early on it was just all of it felt fun even though it was like this on-call feeling all of it felt fun um, but there are some bits where you're like no now it's just a job trying to trying to convince you to eat some food <laughs> things like that or not or not swallow uh, the toothpaste and actually yeah. do do brush yeah, your teeth yeah. exactly um, it, it, it's funny it, it, what you mentioned around having gender specific roles because I was reading an article uh, earlier on today on fatherly.com and the, like you know there's the, it's always buzz numbers now the eight things that you must do or the ten things that you must say um, but one of the this one was like eight things dads must tell their daughters uh, and one of them was making arrangements uh, and the, 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 the way they put it was uh, you basically as a father want to show over involvement in 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 tasks that it's not gender specific it's not just for mum or for dad it's not just for one parent or the other um, and so yeah, it's 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 interesting. You spoke about this routine, this this the schedule, and going to classes. Talk to me about because I, I I never went to classes. I think we went to one because we were having twins. So there was a sort of tamba. It's like a network for twins. Um, mm. So we went to a prenatal class there just to see mm. what it was like for twins. We then also went to a. I think it's antenatal is the word. Am I right? Is yeah. that always anti before or after? I yeah, before. <laughs> so it's antenatal um, in the hospital in the in in the sort of the the, the wing where the baby was going to be born. But that was it. Talk to me about your regiment. So did you go to? So you had to go places. I wasn't because it was COVID and lockdown. I couldn't even okay. go to the ultrasound appointment. The first I saw was my wife took a WhatsApp picture and sent it to me. And I saw that I didn't get to see the scan. I saw it on a WhatsApp image that she sent to me. So you've never, so you never, you. I didn't get to. Go I'm to just having. I, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment here because I, that would have been even harder. Yeah. To, to, so to, all to, our to, classes, we signed up because we couldn't go anywhere. Shops were closed. Restaurants were closed. All of that kind of stuff. We signed up to online classes on Zoom. And you could just watch them at your own convenience. So we would watch them in the evening on the TV and stuff. So it was all in in the flat. You know, we didn't go anywhere to meet other people or any of that stuff. It was all just in the flat watching these things on the TV. I'm a bit shocked. Sorry, I, I, I have to pause for, for thought there because I, I hadn't considered what it would be like to be a parent, a first-time parent as well within a setting where you are not able to physically connect with other parents to be, or even connect with your partner at the scan. How, and that was tough because we, hmm. we were fortunate every step along the way, every time you go for a scan, there's a bit of nervousness and anxiety and all these things, but we always got good news. But if while I'm sat there in the car park, if there was a moment of bad news, I'm still stuck in the car park. That was really tough. 
Okay. And do you, do you still do 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 you still talk about having because they're referred to as COVID babies, or is there another terminology? Yeah. Do you still have any concerns as a father um, for having a baby during the pandemic um, at the height of lockdown? Is that still something that you speak about? Because I know at one point, um, actually, my two-year-old. Excuse me. No, I have a two-year-old. Uh, it's that was a I think how old is your daughter she'll be two in a month yeah so my two-year-old is in October so they she was a COVID pandemic <laughs> she was a lockdown baby so as well so are going to appointments or what how, how are you sorting this this is yeah I'm, I'm trying to reflect so first of all thankfully I was there for the for the birth I don't know how yeah. I swung that because I know there was a whole journey of people not being able to be there for the birth as well yeah. um I never went to any of the appointments and I think what was helped me or what was in my favor is Aziza wasn't our first or my first child. So yeah. uh, it was almost, I, I, yeah, it was a different second journey. baby syndrome or third baby syndrome for the you. You're, you're, you're less stressed. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, a lot less stressed. That's why it felt it doesn't, it didn't feel as, as alien because I sort of, if anything, it was a step down because with twins, they're what you call high risk. So yeah. my wife is getting scanned, I think, every month. So when mm. we, when, when my wife's like, oh, yeah, I'm only going to get scanned three times in nine months, I went, is everything okay? Is, like, the twins were scanned every month. Why, why, why should, you know, I panicked. Um, but then my wife explained that, no, because twins are high risk and one baby is not so, so high risk. But looking, so your daughter's going to be two in a month. In the last two years, what's been your biggest challenge as a father? The biggest challenge? I think it's maintaining... What's the right word? Not perseverance. Stamina. That was it. <laughs> maintaining the stamina. Because you can be good... Where you can be consistent for a day, you can be consistent for a week, trying to stay consistent over years, and you set internal rules, you know, no snacks before meals or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's it's about the day that she is kind of grumpy, do you just give in? Um, if she does have a tantrum, you know, we talked about, okay, well, this is how we manage it and stuff like that. And I... It, is rarer now because we sort of read around the books, you know, how to talk to little people and all these kind of things. And just, I'm very much like, give me a guideline and I'll, I'll go with it. Right. So, um, and I find, I find them all quite helpful actually. Um, so I will just go with these things like, okay, this is how it says to deal with tantrums. This is what I'll do. Um, so that's the, the challenge i guess in terms of not giving in not having a tired day not having a bad day this but I, I suppose in terms of her behavior now because she can communicate with us a bit better than before it all of these things become a lot easier i think maybe six months ago that was the biggest challenge the fact that she couldn't communicate what she wanted and it would frustrate her and make her angry or upset and then you're trying to communicate with her but also not give in to tantrums and that sort of thing 
I think the biggest challenge now is a thing that you said to me that is stuck in my head, right? So I take her swimming once a week, right? And you've met her and she's very loud and out there and she singing all the time and um, she's just, I, I don't know what the right word for it is. She's, yeah, like you just stuck your hands in the air, but you know, she screams a lot and she's very curious and she's not afraid. She goes and she touches things, she grabs things, she puts her, and she's always trying new things. She's really, really not afraid at all. And we were in the swimming pool and we're in the little cubicle, you know, I was putting her clothes back on once we were done. And she was screaming and shouting and like banging on the walls. I was like, yeah, whatever. She's having fun. Um, and then I heard from the cubicle next to us, there was a kid that was making a little bit of noise. I think they were singing a song or something. And the dad's told her to be quiet and he said you know there's other people here you can't be making noise like that and the first thing that popped into my head was when you met my daughter you said because she's a girl the way she is people are going to try and dim her light you need to stop that from happening and that thing keeps getting stuck in my head about not letting other people dim her light so I was like if you want to shout and scream in this changing room go for it and um it was quite funny because then next door, when that kid became a bit quiet, the dad was like, he said, I think he was like putting her jumper on her shirt or whatever. And he said, okay, one sleeve, two sleeve, well done. And then my daughter started banging on the wall going, well done, well done. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I like that she's joyous and not afraid and unapologetic about who she is. Um, but like you said, it is trying to not, let other people say no she should be a good girl she should be like this she should be like this so that i think that will be the next challenge mm, wow so <laughs> the reason thank you so much for reminding me of that because uh, when i go out with the three girls it's i don't hold true to that sadly so it's i, I believe it so i believe that it's true the world especially being girls, the world will tell them explicitly, either through advertising, through words, through language, through those looks, through those smirks, or implicitly through a cold shoulder, a cold shoulder, or turning the other way, or setting a glass ceiling. There's so many different ways the world will tell girls to be a certain way. And for me, it's something that I have to bear in mind. So thank you for reminding me of that, because having three girls who each on their own is a power, uh, <laughs> bringing them together. And I find I struggle to be that mindful or I struggle to be like, you know what, girls, just, yeah. In public, when I have certain expectations of that domain or that realm, so if I'm outside in a car park, for example, and we're outdoors or in the woods, I'm like, go for it. Just ah, go. Yeah. But it's weird when I walk into a hotel foyer or a hotel reception, because we have to go through the hotel reception to go swimming with them. Mm. I'm like, <clears throat> you know, really, it, it, it changes. The energy I yeah. have changes. Uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting to, to think how we as adults or me as a father, how comfortable am I? 
in certain environments. Because what I find is if I'm not comfortable in that environment, then I will inadvertently tell the girls to fix up. You know what I mean? Tell the girls to like, hey, 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 you got to do something. If I'm uncomfortable in that environment, but when I'm truly comfortable in the environment, I'm like, okay, girls, you know what? Please don't do that. You know, this is what we need to do. It comes with less rules and less force. How are you? Is it a similar experience for you? Or do you find that maybe when you're with the in-laws or with the parents, how you manage your daughter and her joyfulness changes? Uh, I don't think so at the minute. I think she's probably too young um, to really, like, I'll give you one example. Um, So she's not even two yet, right? And I was at my parents and in our house, the we have like little magnet locks on all the cupboards. But my parents' house, she can open the cupboards in the kitchen. And she was like opening it and slamming it shut and then opening it and slamming it shut. And then she'd go to the next one, open it, slam it shut, open it, slam it shut. And like in our house, if she's ever doing something, like there's a chair behind me near the TV that she climbs onto and then she tries to like climb up to the TV and stuff. And I don't want to come across angry and stuff. So I've just started a thing that said, no, no, no. And I wave my little finger at her and she like, gets off and she like smiles at me and she thinks we're playing a game or whatever but that's fine she knows when I say no 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 to climb off the chair or stop doing whatever she's doing so when she was at my parents and she was slamming all the cupboard doors I just I said her name and then she turned around looked at me waved her finger at me went no 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 and then just walked away and I was like that's me told then and I think it's different I've never taken her somewhere like fancy or um you know where she needs to behave a bit if that makes sense like we just go to like the Trafford Center or soft play or the swimming pool and like she's not been somewhere fancy where she needs to behave um and I think she's still small and cute where other people find it funny do you know what I mean like I remember yeah. even at my when my grandmother died a couple of months ago everyone's obviously very upset and sad and she's in the middle of the room singing wheels on the bus go round and round and then at one point she just pointed at like a dog outside and shouted dog dog and people think it's funny and it's like a, a moment of lightness in a serious situation um, but I wonder if she was older as old as your kids I'd have been like you need to not be doing this right now you know, but that's, you've got to teach them. And I suppose it's how you teach them. Are, are we teaching them because of our own uncomfortableness or are we teaching them skills on how to read the situation that they're in and adjust their behavior accordingly? But like you said, we, we need to do it for their benefit so that they learn rather than because it's embarrassing us or something. How you do that? I don't know. I'm not at that stage yet. That's going to be my challenge, but that's, that's mm-hmm. what that challenge is. It's so it's it, it sounds for me it's been self awareness. It's been two things I guess is self awareness and intentionality. So being aware that I have certain expectations or I am doing certain things or I am feeling a certain way because of where I am, who I'm with. Like on a really simple the school run. 
So, yeah, two-year-old, you ain't got the school run yet. You've got the joys of nursery where you're like, yep, drop them off at eight, I'll pick them up at six, I got a full day. Yeah. School run, mate, is like nine, like ten to, the day flies. Yeah. But So the school run is it's one thing. So in the morning, it's, I've got to get, well, I get all three of them ready. But of course, school starts at, now I'm testing myself. Um, <laughs> I believe it starts at, 8.40 a.m. Yes, there we go. I got there. Um, you can see I'm not so... I, I, I don't mind being a bit late. Yeah. But the school run, when I remember when I first started school with them, because I, I don't like being late. This is a journey that I've been on personally in life is not being late. So coming back to what you're speaking about, about t trying to teach them, they say kids learn by seeing rather than by, you know... they. What is it? They learn what you do, not what you say. Yeah. Um, and so I was concerned by always being late that they would be tardy, that they wouldn't, that, you know, they 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 wouldn't uh, give respect to the time that was required. Hmm. Through that journey, I realized what's important to me in the morning is that they actually go to school, which is an environment away from home and an environment for learning and other things in a safe and happy manner mm. and it was quelling that need of they've got to be on time they've got to be on time girls come on come on to Muhammad. just because you hate being late mm. and you do not want to teach lateness to your kids does not mean you have to really push them to get things you know together in the morning what's mm. the most important thing so self-awareness is one then the other one once you're aware of it and you're like okay that's really annoying it's having the intentionality almost every day waking up and going today's another day today is a day where what's my intention okay i will not i will not push them to to get there for 8 40 with mm tears down their eyes snot running down their nose yeah. uh you know it's those two things i think help have helped me self-awareness is the first step and then intentionality is the next step of okay what is my intention what is my desired outcome uh if you were to call it that again i say that smiling um it's a, still a challenge it, it, it forever will be a challenge because with kids Every day is a new day, and every day they are learning and they are growing, um, and they're they just they're, they're changing. And you think, here's the thing: as somebody that likes guidelines, as you are, you know, the, a doctor, nice guidelines, and you know, parenting guidelines, and this. Do, what's your thoughts on the statement? Guidelines are there as guidance and not rules. As a parent, if you, yeah. <laughs> I think you I think because you're totally in the dark it helps you have some sort of structure and then you can bend it to this works for me this doesn't work for me she responds to this she doesn't respond to that but it's a good starting point because otherwise for me at least I'd be totally winging it and then there's that thing of am I doing the right thing am I not doing the right thing so at least starting from some sort of guideline and then there's a lot of things that we, you read and you do and you just throw them out the window because like this doesn't work for us. And there's other things where you're 
because I remember doing the sleep training course and just rolling my eyes constantly, being like, this is all just such nonsense. None of this makes any sense. And then I was like, fine, I'll give it a go. I'll try it. And from four months to now, she sleeps like 11 hours, 12 hours a night. So... <laughs> Whoa, whoa, listen, stop. I'm going to have to interject right there because you're going to yeah. have to drop some gems in. I, I'm not paying for the sleep training. What was it yeah. that, that, that... <laughs> Go on, I'm, I'm a willing student. Yeah. So I, I guess it's the, the... The course we did was called Taking Cara Babies. It's by this pediatric nurse called Cara. It's very, very American. Um, and it, it was lots of different things. It was... it was We watched the videos for days um, and... I suppose the broad principles were when she was small, about four months, um, it was like teaching her to put herself to sleep. So even when she's about to fall asleep, put her in the crib, let her be awake for a few minutes and fall asleep by herself. So that was the key. And once she could start doing that, it was um, stereotyping her routine every day. So every day she gets... Uh, her walk at the same time, her meals at the same time, dinner at the same time. Then after dinner, it was bath at the same time, then a story. Then, you know, we, we read a bit of the Quran together. And so she does the exact same thing every day. So she knows the next domino is going to be bed once all these things happen. And once she gets into bed, then we just close the door and walk out. And then we did that thing for four days where if she cries, you come in after two minutes, then five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. And after four days, she's never cried again in bed. And now, so you know, sometimes she'll still wake up in the night, but she'll sing like Baba Black Sheep or whatever for 20 minutes and then put herself back to sleep again. Um, that sounds, that's the Baba Black Sheep thing just sounds. <laughs> she sang happy birthday the other day. Whose birthday is it? It's not my birthday. It's, it's like, it's not her birthday. Where did she learn happy birthday? But she woke up and just sang happy birthday for like half an hour, 40 minutes in the night and then went back to sleep again. And she wasn't shouting mommy, daddy. No. It literally was just self, like finding a way for her to be like, hey, I know yeah. I shouldn't be awake. I'm going to go back to bed. Yeah. Would you recommend that? I, it sounds very regimented. So yeah. The domino. I like the. I like the example of the dominoes. It's. It sounds like you would have had to, given up. Maybe not given up is a. Given up is a wrong word. You would have had to really, routinize, structure, your day to day for at least maybe four months. Am I right to to get I to mean, where you even wanted? now, even now, the. You know the nap time is calculated so. We, yeah, it, we started very early with this routine thing. It was about a month, E-A-S-Y, because this was taking care of babies as well, that she does from the two months onward. So that was about developing a sense of routine for your child. Um, so eat, activity, sleep, you time, eat, activity, sleep, you time. And you just do that six times a day. And then the same bedtime routine, the hour leading up to bedtime, dimming the lights, all that kind of stuff. And then we've just been doing and. Not so much that the routine has changed, but things get dropped. So there's less naps in the daytime. Um, what she eats for her meal changes. Now she doesn't have a bedtime bottle. She just gets her bedtime book. So one by one, things get removed from the routine. Um, but we've, that, that's what I mean about it feels like it's on call. 
because every day you have to be so dis- it'd be so easy one day to say I can't be bothered giving her a bath can we not just put her straight into the bed or I can't be bothered doing this step um, why not absolutely no, no, so no brushing teeth today sometimes I'm just like girls been a long yeah. day you're in your yeah. pyjamas we ain't brushing teeth tonight like you got milk yeah. teeth yeah. <laughs> they're very so understanding you don't, you don't see that no, so that's what I mean. I, I feel it on the inside. I feel like there's things that I just find. I can't be bothered brushing teeth today, whatever, or can't be bothered doing this step. Um, but it's it's about maintaining that routine every day. And I think that sense of structure gives her a sense of safety. And because she feels safe, she can shout and scream and be so extroverted because she, 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 does, she doesn't feel afraid of anything. How are you a routine person? Are you somebody that appreciates routine or was it a struggle to, cause I'm trying to think of myself and uh, in a, in a strange way, we had twins. So the idea of routine, you're trying to play yeah. two kids that, and you know, it's, it's the idea of routine. I think we had the luxury dare I say it as uh, I, well, I had the luxury as a twin dad to almost throw a lot of the rules and the guidelines out because it was just like hunker down, survive, get them, fit, you know, yeah. almost EASY, but <laughs> in yeah, a yeah. totally different yeah, structure. Yeah. No, a lot of the days did feel like that at the beginning. Like it, it, it was just, just survive somehow. I remember that from Walking Dead, JSS, just survive somehow. And I was like, some, some days we just got to get through. Um, but no, I'm not. I don't think I'm a routine person. And I think what happened is, well, maybe I am. I split my life into two parts. So at work and at home and at work, I think I'm organized and I'm structured and I pay attention to details. And then at home, I am lazy and disorganized and everything's a bit chaos. And what's had to happen. And the reason I use the analogy of being on call, because that work part of my brain has had to come home and behave in the same way so that's why it feels like you're always on call but the weekend isn't arriving that bit where you can just shut down and be lazy and whatever that that doesn't arrive um not to say that like it's always like that now that she's older like you know we chill in the evenings and i can do things like this and all that sort of stuff but it felt very much at the beginning everything was revolving around her mm. How did that make you feel? What was your coping strategy? Because if you said you've, there's, there's two parts and I get it, we're, we're multifaceted people, you know, we have almost not multiple personalities, but we have different expectations and we act different ways within different realms. How did that make you feel having to sort of bring the work hat home and wear it as the dad hat? My work hat at work became way more laid back. So at work, I think I'm much more relaxed about things now. Um, and I've sort of probably mellowed in the middle because at work, I think I used to be not obsessive, but used to set targets and we need to hand over zero patients to the next shift and all this kind of stuff. We need to get this done. need to get this done. Now I'm just like, meh, it'll happen when it happens. It's fine. As long as everyone's safe. That's the main thing. So I think I'm much more chilled overall um, because of it. 
that's but in terms of as a father now do you find that you are chilled or the routine still wins i think the routine helps me to feel chill yeah i, d I don't find the routine stressful i think i would find chaos more stressful because i'm like oh, should I be doing this thing for her, but I'm not doing it because I'm being lazy. Whereas to be able to get up and go, right, we're going to do the routine is, I don't know, it almost feels like you're taking control. Whereas had I just let go of it for one evening, it might be fine. Second evening, it might be fine. But then I'd start thinking, oh, her teeth are going to fall out. And that would stress me. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah, that would yeah. be more stressful to me than sticking to the routine. I think sticking to the routine allows me to feel relaxed. Do you have a routine for yourself? So it's I, the reason I'm asking is because I I'm not a routine person. I I enjoy the lack of not I don't enjoy the lack of structure, but I I rather find it useful not having a I, I, I actually so. I have to I have to be careful what I say because as a father I do believe in routine. Um, so my kids are in bed by like half seven. You know maybe some nights if they're with the family or whatnot then uh, then you know what they're with the family they're with Nana. Na Nana's Nana's routine trumps Dad's routine because we're in Nana's home. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to think for the kids I definitely agree with the idea of having a routine provides some structure, provides security, provides um, self-efficacy, because as they get older, they're able to then go, oh, okay, this is what's happening next. So much so that I've, we've tried to introduce like a family meeting on a Sunday. So we've got a whiteboard that has a, a schedule on it. Um, this, blame it on my operations background of Monday, school time, 4 p.m., uh, so we've got the whiteboard, we've got the schedule. Is it being used? I'd like to say yes, but you can probably tell from my body language of cringe shoulders and ringed arms that it's it's there, it's on the wall. Um, and I think it's a, it's a healthy reminder, but I still struggle with the idea of having a bigger routine beyond the kids routine and what I guess what I'm trying to say is do you have a routine for yourself and is it easier to do a routine for yourself or is it as a father or is it easier to do the routine for, for your child is it easier to do it for her rather than for myself or both our routines so I think doing her routine I think is easy in the sense that Although it requires discipline, it makes you feel like you're more in control of the situation. So I think that brings a sense of ease with it. In terms of my own routine, yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of forward planning. So where before, I might have just been like, hey, let's go to the cinema tonight. Hey, let's do this. That's gone, right? Like to meet my friends, I'm like, hey, what are you doing six months from now? Let's casually hang out for an hour, you know? So that that's a harder um, in terms of my work stuff, I'm, I've stopped, you know, in terms of extra projects. So like as doctors, I, I'd never compromise on actual day-to-day -day clinical care and taking care of patients, but we do a lot of other stuff, research paper, posters, whatever, all that kind of jazz. And where I'm, I used to bring that stuff home and work on it in the evenings and things like that. Now I'm very much like, 
if it doesn't get done during working hours, it's not going to get done, and I'm okay with that. Um, so I think I've not made a routine by saying I'm going to do this on a Monday, I'm going to do this on a Tuesday. More, I've had to learn to say no to things because there are only so many hours in a day. So I've started saying, well, I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to do that and I'm going to cut this out and all that kind of stuff. And a routine has sort of organically been formed, if that makes sense. How has that journey to saying no gone? Uh, so I think about myself, I, 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 that resonates with me because I've, I went through, like, before I became a dad, sort of late 20s, early 30s, and it's it's got so I wouldn't say so bad, but it's got to a point now where I actually relish the opportunity to say no. Uh, so if somebody has something for me, of course I won't say no, <laughs> sucker. But it will be a okay. I I guess it's reprioritization. The fact that I'm a father now and I identify as a father has meant that that is my priority. That mm. is that is the lens in which I will probably see a lot. Uh, my life yeah mm. I have to say if I was to think about it being a father is probably the biggest lens that I'm looking at through life w would you agree with that that's the same for you or how do you see your identity as a father and your life yeah I think so 100% um, the, the bit you said before about how how do I find saying no I don't think I found it difficult I think I now have an appreciation for the people that used to say no to me. So I remember when COVID first started, we, you know, sometimes you do a nine to five shift, sometimes you do a 12 hour shift. Myself and a few of the others, we sat and looked at all the, you know, worst case scenarios and this and that and said, this is how many more people are going to arrive at our hospital. We need a system to cope with this. And we suggested ways to change the rotor to have extra people on call. And it basically meant doing you know, bunch of 12 hour shifts, uh, exclusively 12 hour shifts. You'd get some days off, but then you do 12 hour shifts. Now there's some people that were parents and they're basically like, no, I'm not doing this. I was like, oh, but you'll get days off. And they're like, yeah, but I need to be at home these evenings. I was like, but why? You're, you're going to get days off later. And I didn't understand. But now that I do have a kid, like, if someone's like, hey, can we catch up at five o'clock for a coffee? I'm like, go have coffee yourself. I'm out of here. Goodbye. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, now now I have an appreciation for the people that used to say no to me and I get why they did. I hear you. What's your biggest fear as a father? Biggest fear. I don't know. I guess you're you're scared about all the the normal things. I think that people get scared about someone hurting them, someone, you know, all the things I can't control: sickness, disease. Um, you know, I've you know how much I love motor racing, right? And my very fancy car it was the jaguar xe r sport i had a custom engine custom gearbox all of that stuff and it was it was great and now i drive a very boring dad car and i'm very slow on the roads and i'm very conscious of 
road safety and all these kind of things. But I can't control how other people drive and all that kind of stuff. So that those are the things that scare me. That you know, mainly probably working in healthcare. Her developing ill health scares me. Um, but it is those sort of things. Her becoming hurt somehow. You know, something you've mentioned quite a lot is control. Control, 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 control. Would you describe yourself as a control freak? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm okay with... How do, how do I describe it? You know, you know the analogy of like, we're on a ship, right? So and we sail our ship in terms of control. I'm very much like we have to sail our ship the best way that we can. And we have to be methodical in how we set up the sails and how we do all the different steps. But at no point would I try to control the weather or the storm or the waves. I understand what I can control and what I can't. And it doesn't upset me that I can't control the storm. But the things that I can control, I'm like, right, let's start from the beginning again, A, B, C, D, let's go through our process. So, yeah, I, I appreciate I can't control everything. I can't make everything super safe and all of that. But I, at the same time, I like having structures and processes to, because it does give a sense of control over the bits that I can control. And... How do you know when you're doing a good job as a father? I was about to just go old school me and be like, because it's me. Of course I'm doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> You've changed? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, how do I know I'm doing a good job? I suppose you can't. Like, you can't know you're doing a good job because there's there's no measure, if that makes sense. Um You know, they talk about the best things to follow or like, you know, analogies or attitudes to follow are within sports because these are people that have very direct goals of success and victory and they can measure them. And leadership is about motivating people towards a goal. But in a lot of senses, there is no goal. You know, you talk about, I want my kid to be happy. But you actually, you don't want your kid to be happy all the time because there will be tragedy in their life. You want them to be able to learn and cope with that tragedy and so it's not that oh as long as she's happy everything's fine it's not because I want her to have all these other skills and things so I don't I don't know how you measure if you're doing a good job um, but I don't think I'm doing a bad one either how do you know you're not doing a bad one because it's me <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have any moments where you feel like you're not doing a good job? Or I guess to flip it on its head, because you said, do you have any moments where you feel like you're doing a bad job? Mm. No, because I'm relaxed in the sense of, I'm going to come back to a motorsport analogy. So, that you know, there's some days where, brushing teeth is a challenge or um, she won't eat or something like that. 
and I can see why for some, some people, you know, that day will become extremely stressful because we've not done this, we've not achieved that, you're not eating, you're crank, blah, blah, blah. And that day in itself can become extremely stressful. Now, I remember talking to you about way back when I was at university and I was in the rifle club. And the psychology of it is to do one shot. Like I can shoot the bullseye, no problem. So why can I not do it 10 out of 10 times for my 10 shots? So I know my process. I know elbow here, this elbow there, take a breath in, a breath out, squeeze the trigger. I've got my process. You know, look at Nadal before he serves. He's always like rubbing his nose and his ears and whatever. He's got his process. So, and when it comes back to motorsport, it's just because this lap has been bad, you know how to drive a perfect lap. So we're going to come back and we're going to start the next lap again. And if I have a bad shot, it's fine. The, the, you've got to be able to forget that shot and start the process. The first ever time I shot 100, I didn't know I shot 100 because I'd gotten so good at forgetting the last shot. So I think for me, probably, I've never thought about this until just now, having to talk out loud with you, but the best thing is probably once she goes to bed, that's almost a reset point for me. And then tomorrow's a new day. And tomorrow I'm not stressed about she didn't eat yesterday or this or that or whatever. And even if today's a difficult day, I'm like, it's okay. We'll get through today and tomorrow we start again. And that ability to reset overnight, um, I think is probably what helps me the most. You know, it's, it's, it's so timely you brought that because that analogy I didn't understand when you told it to me back at university the idea of the rifle the shot and I was just like no you can't forget what just happened a second you can't you, you know I, I still remember but what I because fatherhood for me has been that what what, the, the, what you just described there has been a real struggle for me and it's you, reminding when I was able to get over the hurdle and what I use is self-compassion so for me, self-compassion has been a journey because it's something that I've had to accept that, hey, Muhammad, you're doing the best that you can at the time with the resources that you have. If I was to look back, I'd be like, yeah, you could have done that a lot better, Muhammad. But at that moment in time, that's the best that I could do, be it with the emotional, mental, physical, whatever resources I had, that was the best that I could do. And I do remember when I was able to sort of have clarity was the example you gave of the rifle shot. And I'm actually going to take that forward, the idea of reset. Once they've gone to bed, reset next day. And it's something that has lifted a lot of burden of fatherhood off my shoulders. Because rather than it being a set of dominoes um, that keeps on going, so much so I think of a friend of mine who's a father to a young boy, and he mentioned how the primary school that he's going to pick for his son will impact the university that he goes to. At the time, and I still can't see how that correlation or causation <laughs> was even to happen. It's like 18 years away. But he was so concerned over that. And to have that level of concern with a young being, I can imagine the stress it causes. Um, so no, thank you for that, for, for sharing the idea of reset. I'm going <laughs> to, rather than reset, getting them to bed is relief. Don't know, do you ever feel yeah, that? Yeah, no, 100%. Like... 
that that you know once she's gone to bed you're like like i'm just gonna sit and do nothing for a little bit because and then yeah i suppose other things that have happened i've stopped watching new tv shows and things like i just watched the u.s office again and again and again i've just finished (laughs) it for the 14th time so there's i suppose that's my self-care you know once she's in bed it's just that relaxation moment and that's the other thing you know when 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 i was just working five o'clock work finished whereas now the day doesn't finish until she's in bed so that ability to reset i think i've from university i've accidentally worked it into a lot of things i do because even the things that i'm attracted to so i'm not attracted to football for example that's a team sport that's how you develop relationships in your team and interact with other people the things that have always interested me are shooting and motorsport and even motorsport even though it's against other people realistically it's about you judging your own performance and pushing yourself to drive that perfect lap every time like a gymnast you know getting that routine perfectly so shooting and motorsport it's a bit like gymnastics or something in that sense so i think my personality is drawn to things like that and i've accidentally just been doing that so there's a performance time and then there's the rest and reset time and then performance rest performance rest there's a whole bunch of again science behind that and that quantifies and speaks to that that i'm not an expert but i'm sure i'll have a guest on in the future that will be able to speak to that what's been a recurring challenge in your fatherhood and how are you brushing teeth (laughs) (laughs) that was quick (laughs) didn't even pause to think no that's my one every night i'm just like right today's the day then you try different things you play the Coco Melon brushing teeth song. You try some other YouTube brushing teeth songs. I'll brush my teeth. Uh, we'll try and brush a toy's teeth every day. And then sometimes she just like opens her mouth and just does it by herself really good. And then other days she just seals them. It's like, no, no toothbrush near me. So that's the challenge every day, brushing teeth. And you've mentioned some of the ways that, you, <laughs> that you're managing it. What's proven to, since you're a process man, what's proven to be the most successful i think that's probably why it's because what works one day doesn't work the next this is probably why it's you know my general philosophy for everything else this is the one thing where it's not working and probably the why it's the one thing that keeps coming to mind and the the thing i keep talking about um and i talked to some people at work about it and i said how do you do it and they said oh we started this at like three months before my daughter even had teeth we used to this and that and i was like I didn't do any of that. I waited till she had a tooth. And then there's other people being like, oh, she's two now. So she must've been to the dentist for a second appointment. I'm like, she's never been to a dentist. Um, so yeah, I'm behind on the tooth game. Do you not have any friends who are dentists that are telling you off? I do. Um, I've got a cousin that's a dentist and stuff. And he's like, you need to go to a dentist just so she gets used to being at the dentist and not afraid of the dentist. So I, I need to get on that. What happened to your, your idea of routine? I guess te- you weren't expecting this is, this is, this is fatherhood. This is actually, yeah. a, a, a I, I sorted the food, example. the sleep, <laughs> the poop, the, all of that other stuff. Teeth was not on the agenda. Hmm. Would, would, would you looking back at your, uh, you know, doing a postmortem of, yeah. of, of, of the first two years and, and the routines, yeah. would you have added teeth brushing? to those routines or are you happy with the, with what you've done? 
I think like you said, with, with my knowledge and resources that I had at the time, I think I did my best. If I had a time machine, then yeah, we, I would have started on teeth earlier. Here's the thing. You, you do have a time machine. You yeah. can go back. But you can, you, to, to, to put teeth within that routine, you have to take something off. What are you going to be taking off? Is this like hypothetical? Like if I could travel yeah. back in time and start again? Yeah. So that, <laughs> time is last time. I, I was like, time. what do you want me? No, no. Cause I was like, I thought you're using, you, you do have a time machine as like a metaphor. Like right now, like time is my resource. I've got to get rid of one thing that's in the daily routine. No, now. Oh no, no, no. Sadly that now I'm not that deep. Right. I literally so what, am. What do I get I, rid I, of from the past? Um, I don't know. I think. The most important thing has been sleep and general sense of structure because that's made her feel secure so that she can be loud and all of that. So yeah, th there's no thing that I would replace. Like I wouldn't be like, I'm so glad she brushes her teeth, but we have no sleep structure. Like that would be madness. Mm -hmm. So there's probably some dentists listening to this just so upset with me right now. But like you said, they're going to fall out anyway. <laughs> that's, that's my philosophy. I don't have a lot of dentist friends. I have more medical friends. So, uh, I mean, I'm married to a pediatrician. So that's yeah. a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's the strangest thing or advice that you've received as a father? Strangest. Sorry, I'm taking a long time to think about it. The, I don't know. I don't know about strangers. The most striking thing is what you said to me, that people will try to dim her light. Don't let them do that. Because that really sticks with me, especially when we're in public and she's screaming and things. Um, and that's probably the one that keeps coming into my mind again and again and again. Um, in terms of strangest, I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever said anything so out there that I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to smile and be polite and then totally ignore you. Really? Nobody's ever done that to you? But I, we would COVID baby. Like, I, I've not yes. seen anyone for such a long time. True. Do you know what I mean? True, thank you. So yeah. people just say generic things, like, and people are just wishing you good luck and stuff like that. I know other people will say things to me, like, oh, if your baby's constipated, just stick soap up their butt. <laughs> like, no one's ever said that to me. Um, but I know that's, like, a thing that happens. Soap or salt? Soap. I've heard salt. <laughs> are, you yeah. sure you, are you sure you didn't hear the Don't right know, thing? Because soap is like slippery, so it helps the poo to slip out. <laughs> Anyone listening, please don't do this to your child. This is clearly no, bad advice. No, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's horrible advice. But that is, so, but nobody's told you that. It's just something you would expect. If, if that, that would be on the strange scale. But as you said, because it's a COVID yeah. baby, you've not but had I, that I have heard other people say things like that to other people when they had kids but and not stuff. To you. Not but to you me. You know, this was before, um, yeah. I hear you. So we're going to do a quick, quick fire round. Okay. Uh, first thing that comes to you, uh, yeah, it may not apply to everything, but just you got, you got to say it. Read or watch. Watch. Tea or coffee. Tea. Fast or slow. Fast. Drive or be driven. Drive. Always drive. Never be driven. Lie in or sleep early. Ah. Oh. 
I missed. I, I had a line today. It was a, a special gift for me. But back in the day, <laughs> the, I used to once a week lie until eleven a.m. Whereas that's gone now. A lion is like seven thirty, eight o'clock. But one day we will get back to having a proper lion. I, I look forward uh, to that day. Uh, this, mm, yeah, lion. To, yeah, I, I, sorry. I'm just. I, I, I'm trying to remember the last time I had a lion. Yeah. And I'm trying yeah, to, yeah. you know, just smell it. The feeling. I'm yeah. up at half six most days, my man. Yeah. Uh, I know. I saw a thing on Twitter. Some some man had written. For the first time in 15 years, I just woke up totally refreshed. I didn't have to wake up to take anyone to school. I didn't have to wake up to do any of this, this, whatever. I just woke up when my body was ready to. And it's such a strange feeling. I've not done this in 15 years. So I'm like, right, that's the timeline. 15 years, let's go. <laughs> They're a bit more responsible, <laughs> unless you have a whole litany of other kids. Yeah. Um, inside or outside? Inside. Fly or drive? Drive. Okay, thank you. So the last thing we're going to be rounding up soon is, what's something that you can share with another father that has helped you? I... The, the thing that's helped me. I know we've talked about it a lot in this episode, so I'm going to say my top three things are one, the advice you gave me, don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about y your embarrassment or whatever. Think about what's the kid's priority and what do they need Two, the advice I'll say is I, I won't recommend any specific book or course or anything, but what I will say is go for it. Find a medium that works for you. So I got audiobooks because I find it easier to, listen than to read and I watched YouTube videos and I attended Zoom lectures because I found that easier for me than going to a lecture obviously because COVID restrictions or whatever but it was it's just more suited to me so whatever way you learn try and absorb as much information and then from that distill the things that are useful to you and throw away the things that you don't don't think are useful to you and the third one um the find the ability to reset somehow and let go of what's happened today it's okay that things haven't gone perfectly reset for tomorrow and it'll be fine arafat thank you so much uh for sharing your journey on fatherhood coming up to two years now i hope it continues to be a blessed um and wonderful journey i hope that you become the father that you would like to be if you aren't already there you and I, hope <laughs> <laughs> I hope your quest for fatherhood is is one lit with joy and happiness and i know there will be bumps but um thank you again for for being honest and bringing of yourself really thank you very much it. for having me on i look forward to doing this again in the future at some point yeah a, a totally different age range yeah take care bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.